This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Let's do the 8 at 8 o'clock. One. They're a great team. Uh, I'm excited for this matchup again. I think, they're, uh, yeah, they're the number one defense for a reason. You know, they do a lot of special things. Starts up front. Uh, of course, Miles Garrett is one of the best players to ever play this game, and he proves it week in and week out, and their linebackers do a great job. Six is a great linebacker. He's a great player. Um, and then on the back end, they do a good job of, of having sticky coverage and things like that. So um, there's got to be on an A game, execute at a high level, and uh, I'm excited for the matchup. Six is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He is one yeah. of the better young linebackers in football. He's really good. Um, the first Browns game, Seth, was the one that CJ talked about in his first press conference after returning from a concussion. That He talked about specifically watching it on TV and seeing some of how his team was handling the lack of success in that game is what it sounded like yeah. he was saying. Um, yeah. So this will be... I'll be interested in that part in this game they if the were, Texans yeah. fall behind if CJ's yeah. able to kind of keep their spirits up a little. Talked bit. about what happened after a couple guys were hanging their heads after a couple interceptions uh, or a couple penalties. A couple good runs were called back by penalties. I actually went back and watched the TV copy, and I I think CJ was um, I think CJ was hyper attuned to like wishing he were there and talking to the guys. I didn't see undue head hanging, but whatever. Uh, it, it would be better with CJ out there for sure. Yep. All right. So game, we're going to dig way more into this game today and over the next couple days. A 3.30 kickoff Sunday, NRG Stadium. Seth and I get you started 12.30 on countdown to our Texans countdown uh, presented by Modelo Especial. Um, as far as other news with the Texans, story in the Chronicle yesterday that Kerry uh, McNair, who is the son of Janice and the late Bob McNair, brother of Cal McNair, submitted an application of guardianship of an adult person and estate for his mom, Janice McNair. 87 years old, Janice McNair. She and Cal are both opposing the application. And here were, um, here were some of the, uh, the quotes in an affidavit. First, the McNair's lawyers on Tuesday were scheduled to be in a Harris County probate court for a hearing to decide if records related to the case should be sealed. So unclear as of this, the writing of this article in the Chronicle what the outcome of the hearing was, but the affidavit from Janice McNair uh, said that Kerry McNair was, quote, seeking to limit or terminate my rights and appoint himself as guardian of my estate. The McNairs go on to say that the, the, um, the application for guardianship would have a serious impact on the Texans and create a needless and baseless media stir regarding the ownership and direction of the Texans. I don't know all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Family battle, don't know what's going on. I do know that if I'm a Texan fan, and I'm going to come at it from that angle because that's the one we're qualified to come at it from, Seth. If I'm a Texan fan, my feeling is like, oh, why now? <laughs> you know? Right. Like this was, I feel like two years ago it would have been received a lot differently, but like Cal and Hannah have made such a concerted effort to A, improve the team. The, so the combination of, 
D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario seems to be a good one, and those were decisions made, um, you know, ultimately, especially D'Amico, the, they, they oversaw all that, Casario being part of it. Um, and that, like, Hannah has emerged as almost like a cult hero amongst Texans fans. Yeah. She's, uh, she's one of the – to the point where on the broadcast when they were talking about Cal and Hannah – the other day, uh, I saw people visibly, like people getting angry and upset that they were giving short shrift to Hannah and discussing Cal. Like, it's very much, people people love him some Hannah. So this involves her, obviously, as well. Yeah, just from a, a Texans fan perspective, I don't want to rock the boat when things seem to be headed in the right direction, finally. Yeah, agreed. Two. All right, um, the Titans fired Mike Vrabel yesterday morning, right after Seth and I got off the air. The Titans fire Mike Vrabel. So there's a head coaching opening in the AFC South. Vrabel had a decent run in Tennessee. Six seasons, more more winning seasons than losing seasons. But the losing had really started to kick in. I saw an interview with Amy Adams-Strunk with what looked like one of their in-house people, kind of like an in-house sit-down interview, where she said that this was a decision that was kind of made gradually throughout the course of the year, that the losing really got to them this year and at the end of last year. Because keep in mind, it's not just that they went – would they go six and eleven this year, five and twelve, something like that? Um, they lost down the stretch. They were like seven and three last year and finished seven and ten. Yeah. So this is something that had been going on since midway through last season for the Titans. Mind you, it was February of 2022, just less than two years ago, that Vrabel and GM at the time, John Robinson, got really good extensions. According to a, uh, a writer from the Athletic, it was top shelf money at the time, and then John Robinson was, was let go six months later and now a, a little bit over a year after that um Mike Vrabel's being let go and it just points to what people in Nashville seem to feel is just Amy Adams Strunk is not running a tight organization and there's a whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that's just kind of soap opera-ish I suppose yeah and uh I just I just couldn't I couldn't be more so sad. More upset about it's it. Really yeah, sad. I just, it's really I feel very my sad. heart goes out to the, yeah. the Adam Strunk family. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, they can hopefully just uh, dry their eyes on their fraudulent <laughs> Oiler Columbia Unis. Blue jerseys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Three. Uh, three. Was that three or was it that three. was three. okay? Uh, oh, that should have been <laughs> Easy, four. Lady. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, the the Shroud was one. Sorry, the McNair should have been two. That was three. Give me four, Ben. Four. Sorry about that. Four. Wink Martindale. I don't know if he's resigned yet as the D.C. for the Giants. There were reports yesterday that he had. Um, and now I'm looking at a story on ESPN. Why am I bringing up the D.C. for the Giants retiring? Well, because there's some sauciness to this. Apparently, Wink Martindale, um, he had a couple of his lieutenants fired by Brian Dayball, a couple defensive assistants, including Kevin Wilkins, who, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Drew Wilkins, who is considered Martindale's right-hand man. And apparently Martindale went into Dayball's office and said his piece, got up, slammed the door, and walked out of the building. Um, So they've had a rocky relationship for a little while now. It was reported back in November that the two of them were in, quote, a bad place. So there's an expectation that Martindale is going to retire, but as uh, as of Tuesday evening, the Giants still had not heard from him yet. Um, he just went back to Sarasota, Florida, where he lives, and I guess it's just kind of laying low right now. I can't tell. I, there's one guy that covers the Giants. So I think this is a legitimate reporter, but who kind of does sarcastic tweets sometimes. But it's uh, it's fitting. I'll treat this as a joke, and yet it's fitting. 
He reports, the Giants still anticipate Wink Martindale to be their defensive coordinator and are treating this issue as a missing person incident, uh, which I feel like... I feel like that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. It, there's some kind of a rift, and Wink Martindale threw a hissy fit that he lost a couple of his key guys, and maybe he maybe he said in a fit of rage that he was quitting or something, but nothing's official yet, and they probably expect it to be smoothed over. Boy, year two for Dayball, man. Dayball made the mistake of making Daniel Jones average. That was yeah. the mistake he made. Was because uh, uh, they paid him and brought him back, and then he got hurt, and they played Tommy DeVito all year, and... Yeah. It's almost like what if Kubiak had done a better job with David Carr yes. the first year he it's was a great here? Analogy. You know, yeah. and all of a sudden and, 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 and it just it would fall apart. Kubiak might have been here for like two or three seasons if he had just done and he did a pretty good job his first year. He did. You know? It just I think uh, you gotta like they could have tried to ride that out. It's kind of what the Giants did. If if the Texans had made their run like at the end of that season somehow, um, in two thousand seven and it, like, it was a flurry of wins at the end. They might have rode it out with David Carr the next year. Yep. Five. Uh, TJ Watt is going to miss Sunday's uh, Sunday's wild card round game against the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers, as Seth and I were talking about a little earlier in this segment, a double-digit underdog to the Buffalo Bills. So no TJ Watt. He's got a sprained knee. Looked a lot worse at first, but a sprained knee. So if the Steelers somehow pull off the upset, then we'll keep an eye on that. But not looking great. Mason Rudolph is going to start again. For the Steelers against the Buffalo Bills, you mentioned J.J. had a pretty funny tweet. J.J. using his brother's sprained knee as a springboard to humor. I don't know how people feel about it, but it was pretty funny. What did he tweet yesterday, Seth? J.J. Watt? About uh, uh, T.J.'s knee? Underneath the report that T.J. was injured, uh, uh, J.J. just wrote, think they'd notice. Uh, The implication Uh, being, you know, like, oh, if I just showed up and wore his uniform. hmm. J.J. a little bigger. He's a little. Like, TJ shows up and he's got like like a plasticky looking face. That'd be hard. <laughs> Remember, JJ complained about those um, those special COVID uh, visors they yeah. were gonna have, like that it would just be too hot to wear. Yeah, him wearing like a rubber uh, rubber TJ Watt mask the entire game. <laughs> TJ looks be, different. It'd be tough to breathe. Imagine <laughs> as it starts to, like melt midway through the yeah, third quarter. Looks different. Six. All right, Aaron Rodgers in an interview says that the Jets need to flush the bull bleep. In 2024, um, this is just priceless. That Aaron Rodgers, of all people, who goes on the McAfee show yesterday, goes on a seven-minute rant about COVID again, and then, and then kind of just brushes by what he said about Jimmy Kimmel as if he didn't say it. Um, was one of the stranger things, but I find it ironic that Aaron Rodgers is the guy saying that the Jets need to flush the BS in order to win in 2024. Nobody brings more BS to the table for an NFL football team than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody yeah. brings more window dressing and issues and drama with him than Drama Boy here. And so the biggest thing about Rodgers is, that, and this is what I need to have people to understand, I think there's some that people get triggered whenever we talk about Aaron Rodgers because they start to believe it's like some kind of vaccine debate or something. I don't care um, about that stuff. It's like, like as far as I never bring that stuff into my, uh, other than when I was COVID commissioner, and then I stepped away. Right. Remember, Sean, well, I you stepped had your away run. from public office because because um, I saw just how sticky everything was getting. But uh, for the most part, I stay away from all that stuff. I keep that in my own personal business. You know, um, it's like he's got this long, 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 long record of basically saying things and then claiming he didn't say them. Yes. Or just like accusing people of things and then claiming he didn't accuse them of things. The most notorious and like the worst, just from a pure football perspective, was when he... He would claim that the, the Packers never reached out to him. 
And then when the Packers said we reached out to him multiple times, he tried to blame it on not having cell phone service in his Malibu mansion. In Malibu. Like, <laughs> I forgot that Malibu, which even if that's true, like acting like that's oh, yeah. the only way, like only via cell phone uh, when I'm in my house. Like I, maybe, his, maybe his mansion is a darkness retreat as well. Maybe. The other part, though, too, would be like he goes on a darkness retreat for a week where he's on unable to reach him for a week, and then he's put out that the Packers moved on without him after, like, just hanging all this stuff over their head. Yeah, man. Oh, it's just been – and it's just one thing after the other. It's a whole – it's so much, like, demanding attention and then being incredibly upset that he's getting attention. Yeah, I, I loved seeing the Packers make the playoffs this year. I was really, really happy for, for Green Bay that the Packers made the, the postseason. Seven. Um, NFL regular season games averaged 17 million viewers in 2023 – Tied for the second highest since averages were first tracked in 1995. So this is the highest, second highest ratings the league has had since, like, before the internet became a huge thing. And it's crazy to think that, Seth, because this was a season where scoring was down. This was a season where half the starting quarterbacks in the league missed pretty significant time. And and yet... Uh, more and more people are watching NFL football this year. Like it's just, yeah. it's so bulletproof right now. It's crazy. It's um, I don't know. Like it's, I, I, I always wonder just exactly how to take any of this because the only time people ever really seem to care about it with the NFL is with if ratings dip, then all of a sudden it becomes a referendum on all the various things uh, that either NFL players or the owners or society at large is doing wrong. Yeah. So I just for now at least for the next. For the next several years, at least, uh, it looks like the NFL is safe. You okay? think they're good? It's not, it was like two or three years ago that uh, Nope was going to be replaced by basketball. And then after that, it yeah. turned out that no basketball is going to get destroyed. Everything's going to be replaced by baseball. Uh, for now, football's safe. I don't know when. Ultimately, at some point, football will fall from its lofty perch, but it doesn't look to be. Not in our lifetimes. Soon. It's not going to. I don't think. Yeah. My, yeah, my overall point well, with this is the king is not dying anytime soon. Good chance that you and I, with medical advancements, live to be like 300 years old. I knew so that. I knew just, that before yeah. I said it. Yeah, no, I, okay, I, yeah, okay. I knew that. Eight. Last Sean, one. put that in the big book of Sean's promises. It's <laughs> Seth okay. and I will be alive in 24. You sure that thing's laminated? Yeah. 24, 23, yeah. You need that thing to be parchment or something so it lasts 300 years. That's right. Years. Um, Harbaugh Watch is on now. It was on right after the game ended in the national championship game at NRG Stadium on Monday night. Jim Harbaugh is a candidate for several of these NFL head coaching openings. I had to guess he'll be in the NFL next year, but we'll see. But Harbaugh was asked about it right after he got off the field on Monday night by a reporter. Here's what it sounded like. And all those accomplishments and the big person's table, would you want to add winning a Super Bowl to that? I just want to enjoy this. I just want to enjoy this. Uh, and I hope you give me that, you know. Can a guy have that? Does it, does it always have to be, you know, what's next? What's, what's the future? Um, you know, like I said the other day, yeah, I hope, I hope to have a future. Um, hope there's a tomorrow, a day after tomorrow, you know, a next week, a next month, a next year. Um, He's got a little Aaron Rodgers in him, Seth, in so much as you know it's Harbaugh's camp that floats his name out for all these jobs. That's right? true. That's a good point. I was sitting there about to defend Harbaugh, and then With all uh, this that's attention. A very good point. Can I have this, yeah. please? Can I have? Can this? I have this, <laughs> please? 
right? <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm not okay, off base. You're right. <laughs> you're right, man. I try to be non-cynical for like three seconds, and you pull me right back Sorry in. Sorry about it, man. Because there was a part of me that was thinking that. Like, there's a big part of me that was thinking, like, yeah, like immediately after the game is at the right time. But you're right. Immediately after the game, immediately after the press conference, he's going to have a chat with his agent, most likely. Or, you know, and decide. Like, let's let's remember. Yeah, these college football coaches they win the national championship, and if they're not thinking about a job with the NFL. Yeah. They're on the recruiting trail immediately. Ooh. They're going to go make 20 calls to recruits to show Ooh. just our texts to, 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 to show just how awesome everything is. Yeah. Poor yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> Poor Jimmy's got to answer a question about coaching in the NFL. Ooh. Poor Jim has to do the coaching thing and lie. Yeah. Lie about whether you're going to do this. Can I, or can do I have this? Can I have this, please? Yeah. There was a report that when he interviewed for the Vikings um, – Couple years ago now, couple years, two years, that uh, yeah, a I, years. some people thought it was off-putting because he walked in kind of like expecting that he was going to get the job. Right, right. Like, just, uh, that was a fun that, story. That may have been the very thing that did him in. Yeah, you just see, you come walking in like kind of Sean Payton, like I would imagine how Sean Payton carries himself. Hundred percent. That's like it depends. In some circumstances, that works really well. In other circumstances, it might be a deal killer. Yep. I right, John McClain. Hall of Famer. We'll talk to John. We'll talk to John. Certainly preview the Browns and the Texans. We'll get John's thoughts on Mike Vrabel getting fired in Tennessee. We know John's got ties up there to Tennessee. John McClain, the Hall of Famer, joins us next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, good to be with you, Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. It's Wednesday, it's 825. That can only mean one thing. Hall of Famer, good friend, senior columnist, SportsRadio610.com. He wears many hats, his name. He's my co-host of the Utopia Football Podcast. John McClain joining us on the show. John, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing great, John. Okay, so what's your early feel here? We've had a couple days, a day of practice yesterday, kind of a walkthrough. We've seen the list of guys who... Still aren't practicing, and we've got the Browns coming to town here. What's your early feel on this game? I think it's going to be a lot better than the first game they played on Christmas Eve because C.J. Stroud's back, and 
And um, you never know because the playoffs are a different animal than regular season. And so both teams have have players that uh, don't have playoff experience. Flacco's one of the best playoff quarterbacks in history. You know, not just that great season where he was Super Bowl MVP and he had 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions, but he's been great in wild card games. So the playoffs are made for him. But I'm guessing D'Amico Ryans and Matt Burke will make sure to do something where Amari Cooper does not burn the defense like it did in the first game. I think they'll shut down the Browns' run. I think they made adjustments too late in their scheme uh, against Jonathan Taylor to keep him from running wild, but they did a great job in the fourth quarter. It'll come down to Flacco, and can they – cover Amari Cooper and David Njoku, who are the top receivers. Yeah, and I guess the other big question is just, okay, it, I, I don't think we can expect Nico Collins to have 195 yards receiving versus the Browns, but how much can he do to loosen things up for everybody else? Do, do you feel confident that CJ will be able to spread the ball around? Well, the problem is you don't have any other wide receivers stepping up. John Matchy has not stepped up. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson has not stepped up. You hope you're going to get Robert Woods back at least. Noah Brown seems like he's more serious. It, it'd be great to have them both, of course, and give him more options. I thought he would utilize tight ends Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan more than he did. Schultz was primarily that winning touchdown drive. I thought he would spread it around then. The Browns are like the Texans. I don't think the Browns, they watched tape. They saw that game and what an incredible performance Nico Collins had and they'll do everything to shut him down but that's part of being a go-to receiver you find ways to get him going you to get him open you put him in motion you line him up at different spots so I think Bobby Sloick will have a creative package for Collins because you don't want him to be contained uh John we're talking to John McClain uh joins us every Wednesday um John, have you talked to any of your Cleveland cronies up there, like Mary Kay Cabot or Tony Grossi, to see how people are feeling on the Cleveland side of things? Yeah, I always talk to them. They're, uh, the Browns are confident. They're favored. Everybody's talking about Joe Flacco going back home to Baltimore. They're talking about it in Baltimore. Flacco coming home to play mm, the Ravens. Where they're he looking won the ahead. Super Bowl. And you, you know Kevin Stefanski is doing everything he can to keep the uh, – the attention on the Texans. By the way, I've been looking at Coach of the Year, and uh, Mike Florio in Pro Football Talk gave it to Stefanski narrowly over D'Amico. And I'm watching, I read Sports Illustrated, and both of them had four first and four seconds. Stefanski had a third, and somebody on that staff voted D'Amico as fifth in Coach of the Year. Um, and I'm thinking, my goodness, do you not pay attention? So that's what caused him Sports Illustrated's Coach of the Year, the difference in a three and a five. I can't even believe somebody put Stefanski that, number three. But D'Amico, fifth? That, that person needs to show themselves, John. They need to show themselves, <laughs> and they need to be publicly <laughs> humiliated. Who did they put first? They, that person? They, well, they put D'Amico fifth. That was the big thing. Right, I know. I, but he knew that Stefanski was third. Okay. So uh, that yeah. cost him. Stefanski had a three. He had a five. Both had four first, four seconds. So D'Amico, in another narrow vote, did not get coach of the year. Man. Okay. Well, that's that feels like a big But injustice. those don't count. The only one that counts, the official one, 
which is the 50-member Associated Press panel, which includes former coaches, general managers, players, writers, broadcasters. So that's the one that everybody po- pays the most attention to. Man. What do you get? Do you get a sense at all, uh, John, in talking to your Cleveland connections uh, about the divided loyalties of Ohio State fans versus Browns fans? <laughs> well, those fans who pull for the Bengals and Ohio State are, that are not Browns fans, of course, will pre- push for CJ. When they won in Cincinnati, I noticed at the end there were a lot of fans down there cheering him not because they wanted the Bengals to lose, but they had won. But they had so much respect for him for what he did at Ohio State. They'll tell you, everybody from Ohio State, oh, we knew he was going to do this, but, of course, nobody else did. And that's a big image. It's a state that he loves. It's not his home state of California, and it's not his current state of Texas. But in his own, I guarantee you, he loves Ohio because that state was good to him. I don't know. I, he's mentioned a few times in interviews, including on McAfee this week, that you know, the, those fans can be pretty brutal after they lose a game, it's particularly after they lost in the Peach Bowl. It sounds like uh, they, uh, everybody now likes to pretend like they've loved them all along. I feel like uh, there might be some pent-up feelings about people from Ohio in CJ. Maybe, but he's told us in our interviews with him how much he likes the state and the school, everything about it. And I guess he's got a short memory over the times he lost early in his career. He needs to pretend that um he needs to pretend that all the Browns fans are mess that they're the message board fans from Ohio. They're State. the Michigan fans. They're all the-, the Browns fans are Michigan fans. Okay. Well there you go. Yeah and that's yeah, maybe, maybe. Um John McClain joining us for his uh for his weekly visit. Um John the Mike Vrabel firing up in Tennessee. Uh what do you make of that? It feels like it's I don't know. It feels like it's going to be kind of difficult for the Titans to upgrade over Vrabel. I thought Vrabel did a good job there. What where, what direction do you think they wind up going at head coach up in Tennessee, and why did this happen? Mike Vrabel lost his power struggle with Rand Cawthorn, who, gave, who was GM for one year. And uh, so now he, he should have multiple offers, just depending on where he wants to go. They should be very happy over to Texans, Jaguars, and Colts because they know Vrabel. As you mentioned yesterday, Sean, on our on our podcast, he can do more with less and win a big game like beat Jacksonville, beat Miami on the road. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of division. A lot of fans want him down. They always want coaches fired when they have a bad season. He's had two in a row. And I'm guessing Rand Cawthorn, when he came from the 49ers, had a list of coaches that he wants. He's been with Bobby Slowick for six years. And I'll be stunned if they're not one of the teams that reaches out to Slowick with an interview request. And I'm going to ask, I'll ask, I'm going to ask Bobby today about uh, his head coaching oh, yeah. desires and all the people that are reaching out to him and how he's handling it. I asked Tomiko yesterday what advice he would give to him. And the thing was, make sure you go to a good situation like D'Amico has with the McNair family and Nick Casario. And uh, I still think Bobby will come back. I think like D'Amico, Ben Johnson, Kevin O'Connell, they interview, and then they come back and say, I need one more season as a coordinator and a play caller. John, speaking of uh, that McNair family, uh, via multiple reports, Robert McNair Jr. has asked a court to find team owner Janice McNair declared incapacitated and to appoint a guardian. Um, there's a lot of legal machinations going on around this. Has this been uh, something that's been in the works 
for a while, as far as you know, and is this, uh, is this anything that would affect the Texans anytime soon uh, in terms of their actual operation? If he gets control of the team from her and be and is able to vote with her, she's the owner. He can sell it, do anything he wants. And uh, it just it. I talked to Janice before the game last last home game. I, I'm going to talk to her again Sunday. I go up in her suite, say hello, congratulate her. I talked to her just about every time she was at training camp, and she was there in a lot in her air conditioned tent. And to me, I've known her since '97, and he, she's as sharp mentally now as she was when I met her. So I think it's just terrible. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think there's a big feeling, John, of like, why now for a lot of Texan fans? You know, because Texan fans, I think, are looking at it from a football perspective. Like, why now? You know, things just seem to be, everything from, from, from owner on down seems to be just totally aligned right now. It's the best it's been in a long time, maybe ever. And uh, the last thing you want is players to be distracted, worrying about, oh, is it going to be, is he going to get controls? Is he going to sell the team for multiple billions? You know, will he make changes? Will I? Will I be out of a job right here when they're in the playoffs? This is a, you know, the, the, the AARP magazine, John. I know you get it just like I do. Um, I feel like they always have these little, uh, you know, like little brain puzzles and things that you can do to stimulate your brain. They need to add what, uh, one to help you prepare for if one of your offspring decide to have you declared mentally incompetent. <laughs> like I just like, okay, give me go, take me through some role playing examples and stuff. This is just, this is not what Janice McNair deserves at this stage in her life. No, it's not what Bob McNair wanted. Bob used to, Bob, Bob talked to me for multiple times about how he wanted, he wanted Janice as the owner. Cal to run the football, Kerry to run the business side, and that was that. Told me his will was ironclad, and I said, "Well, you can't fight for the grave." He said, "There's not going to be," he said, "There's not going to be uh, any issues because it's spelled out perfectly, exactly the way I want it." John McClain joining us, John. Before we let you go, um, I know you had a chance to hear Nick Casario's comments yesterday on this show about vehemently the <laughs> vehement refutation of him leaving the Texans to go to New England what what were your thoughts on what Nick had to say yesterday well I'm thinking he's much better talking with you guys than he is with us I may ask him about that when he does his end of the season news conference say now Nick before you get started we want to make sure you're as as good with us as you are with pain and pen. <laughs> and I'm sure he'd like that. But I think it's out there. It's been out there since before the draft. Oh, people in New England, and I guess some national people, don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to work for the Patriots. Right now, that is a terrible job. And he's got it better than anybody. How many GMs have it better than he does right now with owners that let him do whatever he wants within reason, of course. Don't meddle. Give him money. A great coach that he likes working with. A great young quarterback. He ought to be executive of the year. You, I'd like to see somebody show me someone else who's done a better job in Casario. And I'm glad he addressed it and that maybe they will put to rest some of these rumors. But if, if Belichick's out, and I wonder why you need multiple days of multiple meetings if he's out. But if he's out and they go after Vrabel, people will say, oh, Vrabel and Casario were close. Casario wants to be his boss. And I can't imagine Nick wanting to go up in that kind of weather that we saw Sunday when here it was 65 in bright sunshine. No, totally agree. Totally agree. John McClain. 
Uh, of course, you can catch him on the Utopia Football Podcast with me. We've got a preview of the Browns game dropping uh, tomorrow. We've got a mailbag episode that dropped yesterday, so you can get that wherever you get your podcast. John, what do you got going on on the website? I'm working on a column today about the young and old, Stroud versus Flacco. Stroud was seven when Flacco was a rookie in high school when he won his Super Bowl. And uh, I've got a couple other columns up there Friday. I will have five things to watch in the game. Guys, thank you very much, as always. All right, thanks, John. Appreciate you. That's John McClain joining us here on the show. John and I had a mailbag question yesterday that I thought would be a good one to bring on the bring on the uh, the show here and, and, and reminisce a little bit here. We had a uh, a mailbag question where somebody had heard us say that that man that heard me say that Dalton Schultz catching the Titans game saved the season for the Texans. The Texans went ten and seven. If they went, if they gone nine and eight, they would not be in the postseason. What are three other season saving plays that the Texans had on their road to ten and seven in the division championship? I'll run these by Seth next. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Keenum fakes the flip. Keenum plants. He's got time to throw. And he throws over the middle. And Dalton Schultz has it inside the five-yard line. Somehow he comes down with the ball in traffic. First and goal. He took the ball. He just wanted it more than the Tennessee defender. He just reached in, grabbed it, took it away. Texans trailed. That was week 15 against the Titans in Tennessee. That was the Case Keenum game. And... Case threw that thing up for grabs, and it looked like it was going to be intercepted, and somehow Dalton Schultz came down with it. The Texans were driving for the tying touchdown at the time, if I'm not mistaken, and um, it was late in the game. And if there's an interception there, their chances of winning that game go way, way down if there's a pick right there. And I thought at the time, man, Dalton Schultz might have just saved the season because we didn't know at that point how long C.J. Stroud was going to be out for. You know, right. like There was a lot. They, they, were, they were the eighth seed at the time on the outside looking in. And so, yeah, I feel like that play and the other play in that game that might have saved the season to give Case some credit was the catch and run to Devin Singletary in overtime. Yes, 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 100%. That was huge. Um, It was very, very just resourceful, scrappy play by all those guys. That was maybe one of the most exciting fourth quarter and overtimes of a game I've ever seen in a game which was otherwise almost unwatchable for the first three quarters. (laughs) It was... 
It was just nothing. It's like uh, basically this is how war has been described to me. It's like uh, vast amounts of tedium uh, punctuated by like short bursts of sheer terror. That's what that felt like. It felt like, damn it, it felt like I was fighting in the South Pacific <laughs> with some minor exception, some minor differences. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was the most badass nineteen to sixteen game of all time. Yeah. It was no, because remember though too. Aside from the Dalton Schultz catch, which was very much like it looked like he plucked that out of a, a, a an actual interception. Same thing happened to Des King. Des yeah. King had an interception where he was catching the bottom of the ball. Yeah, and was it Traylon Burks? Chris Moore, Chris former Moore, Texan. Caught, he like caught the top of the ball. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. Like Des King, there was nothing you could say about it. He had his hands. He's just little. And he had his hands on the bottom of the ball. He was going to catch it. But Chris Moore had his. He got the top hemisphere of the ball. I'm like, where was this Chris Moore when he yeah. was toiling for the Texans as their wide receiver for the last couple of years? I, honestly, has anybody, Sean, and I know this question, we were going to talk more about Dalton Schultz, yeah. but it just brings this up. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody have more near game-altering plays that didn't that, that weren't validated than Des King this yeah, year. Yeah, the Denver game. I mean, yeah. So many times he's stripped the ball, but it's been ruled forward progress. Yeah. Or he's stripped the ball and the ball, the play was whistled dead because of the, in the grass. But like all these various, it's, he's been so close so many times. And he's only been on the team for half the season. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and well, he also saved the game. Uh, we had the play at the, it was the, uh, which game? He had the play at the end of the first half. Oh, um, oh the Jacksonville game. Yeah, the Jaguars, I saw ultimately didn't matter in the end result, but still. It was a huge um, play at the time, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, he kept them in that game where yeah. he made that. That was the first play he'd played since they re-signed him. The only snap yeah. he played that game. It was his first game that's back. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so this the reason we're playing this and the reason we're talking about saving the season the Texans finished 10 and 7. 9 and 8 would not have gotten it done. They they needed every win that they got this season to be where they are right now. And so I had a mailbag question. John McClain and I had a mailbag question to our podcast saying that they heard me say Dalton Schultz saved the season with that Tennessee that catch in the Tennessee game. What are they said what are three other season saving plays considering 9 and 8 would have ended the season. All right, so here are mine, Seth, and let's see what you think of these. Week 9 Tampa Bay. The Texans are coming off a loss to the Carolina Panthers. They're three and four. They're in serious danger of falling to three and five. Tampa Bay takes a lead late in that game. Baker Mayfield was outstanding in that game. CJ Stroud was better, though. He threw for 470 in that game. I contend on the game winning drive when the Texans got the ball back with 46 seconds left that the biggest play of that drive, and in my mind, the play that saved the season, was not the touchdown to Tank Dell but the play right before it. CJ in the gun, one back, here's the snap. Stroud looking, Stroud throwing deep. And he's got Tank Dell along the sideline. Does he make the catch? Yes! In the red zone at the 15-yard line with 10 seconds to go. Dell looking at the replay. One foot down, two feet down, the toe tapper. Great catch, amazing throw. And it set up a much more makeable situation to get into the end zone at the end yeah. of that game. How much? Uh, and what was the down and distance? It was. I don't know what the down and distance was because you know they're just throwing chunk yeah. plays at that point. But it was right, about a twenty-five right, right. yard pass. Yeah, the was, time the clock mattered more than the. Uh, yeah, the yeah. It was probably point. there was. I mean, they scored the touchdown with six seconds to go, so that was the play before the touchdown. So there's under. 20 yes, seconds. that is the one that saved the season. Saved Sean, the season emphatically, one hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Until. 
until oh. until the following week. They're four and four on the season now. They're in Cincinnati, and this is a chance at the time. Like they're they were the better team all day against the Cincinnati Bengals until the last four minutes of the game where CJ turns the ball over and then they can't get a first down on the next possession and the Bengals score ten points in the last three minutes to tie the game up. But CJ Stroud would have none of this going to overtime thing. He drives the team down the field again with under a minute to go. And uh Matt Amendola wound up kicking the game winning field goal. This play right before the field goal, the, this Noah Brown catch and run, to me, season saver. Now motion by Boone. CJ takes the snap, throws over the middle. Hits Noah Brown, breaks a tackle 30. Get out, get Noah out. 25, Noah 20, and he's wrapped up time out, time at the out. 20-yard line. Timeout called with five seconds to go. They get the ball to Brown, and they're ready to try a field goal. They needed every one of those yards. Matt Amendola he, snuck that thing in barely inside the upright. Yeah, and he just, um, I mean, he bulldozed his way to that. That was a really, he ended up getting, I'm watching it right now. Yeah. It was. I wanted to say 10 yards. It actually ended up being 15 plus yards after contact. Breaking tackles, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah, breaking tackles the entire, they had him, they should have tackled him at the catch. Yep. And he made 15 more yards after that. Huge. That was nuts. Yeah. Huge, huge. Season saver in my mind. Last one, because the mailbag person, person sending this ass for three. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. In week 13, Denver, Russell Wilson driving, trying to beat the Texans. Keep in mind, the Texans are 6-5 and five in this game and tied with the Broncos in the standings. Tied with a bunch of teams in the standings. Jimmy Ward. Wilson gets the snap. Wilson chased. Wilson escapes the sack. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! It's intercepted. The Texans have it. Jimmy Ward. Houston's going to win. Nine seconds to go. Jimmy Ward. That was the one. No, God. No, I was just saying Jimmy Ward with the pick. Oh, Jimmy yeah. Ward. Okay, yeah. yeah no, and, and John Grenard, the, you had pointed this out. John Grenard had him wrapped up. Yeah. At that point, it was third and goal, remember. John Grenard had him wrapped up, would have gotten him down at about 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. So almost John Grenard theoretically also should get a hockey assist on that one for <laughs> not – for not getting him down on that one, because theoretically they might have had another shot at the goal. Uh, it, would been, it would have been dicey, but um, but yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they had no timeouts left at that time. Yeah. Denver, yeah. yeah. I think here's the, here's the thing about this segment. This, I mean, that segment should uplift you a little bit, right? The Texans winning all these close games. That's what good teams do. Tank Dell, Noah Brown, Jimmy Ward were the, all the, the beneficiaries. or all the, oh. They were the ones making the play. Right. Oh. No, oh, they, I see what you did there. No, I didn't oh, do that intentionally you know, at all. Could, no, you could have picked any number of big plays. It's in this true. No, I, dude, I just noticed dog. this now. No, no, no. Oh, I just noticed this now. Whatever, Rogers. It goes to show you what kind of gumption <laughs> this team has. You're doing that like, hey, I didn't. So all I said. I swear I didn't. All I said. Don't you ever call me Aaron Rodgers ever again. <laughs> Tank Dell, Noah Brown, Jimmy Ward, none of whom are going to play in the game on Saturday. You're a dirty dog. That's, I, didn't, I, I swear I didn't mean to do that. I just looked at the All names. Right. I'm like, wow, it's been a while since we've seen any of these guys play. Wait, is Noah Brown? <laughs> Noah Brown. Well, I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't bury Noah okay, Brown yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, what but, are you doing? That's, a, that's messed up, bro. No, but McLean said, McLean in the previous segment, I know McLean wasn't doing it as a report or anything like that, but of Robert Woods and Noah Brown, it feels like Robert Woods might be the one closer to playing because Noah Brown hasn't played in a while. 
and he's yeah. got like seven injuries. <laughs> like you're right, but yeah, like having not played in a while, doesn't that make it just as likely that no, he's right. the one that's right. now finally no. healed? I shouldn't have buried yeah. him. You're right. No, Noah Brown might play. Noah Brown might play. They need they need him. They need him and Robert Woods to play in this game. Honestly, a lot right. of guys not. You know, one of the nice things about the injury report yesterday was that Laramie Tunsil did not practice, but it was specifically noted it was just a rest day. It wasn't because of an injury. So I was, you know, you worry with a groin injury that it's going to be some kind of lingering groin problem. As of yesterday, it didn't look like it was, so hopefully that's a, a good sign. Yeah, other than the two false starts, he played a pretty good game on Saturday against the Colts. Just stop false starting, Laramie, especially on gotta have it down. You can get your false starts in on like, you know, like second and two, you know, because mm. second and six, but not on third and five, not on fourth and one. Come on now. All right. Um, D'Amico Ryans, is there a difference between playoff football and the regular season? And there is a, there is a concern that may be flying under the radar that Seth and I have with D'Amico Ryans right now that okay. we will get to in the next segment. Stay there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.